morning. I just thought I'd get sight to sort out my microphone so I don't have the weekly occurrence of it going completely wrong, which is what normally happens when I preach. It's a real privilege to be preaching to you this morning. I'm talking on the amazing miracles of Jesus. But I think it's worth asking, what are miracles and why are they different from magic tricks and illusions, which we all see? Well, all going to plan, I'm going to do a magic trick right now. Are we ready? Children, are you ready? It's a really good one, if it works. So, uh, I am going to make a two-meter-long stick that's taller than Ivy and Erin's daddy. I'm going to make a stick grow out of my arm. Who thinks I can do it? All the adults have to say yes now. Yes, yes, wonderful, I thought so. So we'll just start like this. I do have to be standing behind the platform because I'm not very good at it. But here we go, here it comes. Oh my goodness, look, here. it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Look at that, so look taller than me. I know, it's actually uh, quite heavy. So I'm just gonna pop it down here so that I don't drop it, just pop it down there. So magic tricks can always be explained by science or logic or illusion. So children, when you invariably get bored when I'm speaking, I want you to work out how I grew this stick. I want you to think about that. But Jesus did miracles, which are not the same as magic tricks. But some people think, well, I don't really think Jesus did miracles. I don't really think Jesus does miracles now. I think, actually, they're just a magic trick, an illusion, or that people just lie. But that is not true. Jesus performed miracles, and he still performs miracles now. Miracles, unlike magic tricks, cannot be explained by science, logic, or medicine they can only be possible by the power of God. They're not explainable, if that's even a phrase. The Bible is full of stories in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and in Acts we read them as well, of the stories and miracles and accounts of how those miracles happen. So I'm going to go around and I'm going to ask a few of you to tell me what miracles you can remember that Jesus did. I'll start with an adult. Kids, You've got like 30 seconds to think of a miracle. If you've been in Sparks with me, you know some of the miracles because I've done them with you. So I'll start with Pastor Sai. He should know, surely. When he had pity on the leper and said, I will be clean. Yeah. Uh, let's get Mark and Nen as they're doing theology training. It really is only right. They should do one. The blind man seeing. The blind man seeing. Let me annoy, I won't annoy Joe. She's like, don't do it. Barnabas. Saving us from our sins. But that is a miracle, you're very right. Uh, Joss, can you think of one? Should we go around? Let's ask Nigel. Healed the man who was lowered through the roof. That's it. So we've got quite a few miracles there. There's loads of stories and accounts of Jesus performing amazing miracles. And we love reading them, don't we, about what Jesus has done. But why are there so many accounts and stories of miracles in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Why are they so important? Why are they there? And why did the apostles include them in their accounts? 
Well, in John's gospel, John selects just seven miracles. Jesus did many more than that, but he just chooses seven. And the first main section of John's gospel is often referred to as the book of signs. So the seven miracles that he records in this book of signs is changing water into wine, healing the royal official's son, healing the paralyzed man, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus walking on water and healing the man blind from birth. And I haven't given much warning, but we're also going to watch a video of the final miracle. It's great, isn't it? So the final miracle is the raising of Lazarus from the dead. But why has John just included these seven miracles? Well, in John 20, 30 to 31, we have the answer. It says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John includes just these seven miracles because they form a collective common purpose of showing that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. So that the readers of John's Gospel, including us today, would know that Jesus is the way to life, that by believing in him as our Saviour, we would have life and life in all of its fullness. The miracles of Jesus show, firstly, that Jesus is the promised Messiah. Now, Messiah is just a word which was used by the Jewish people to talk about the expected king that they thought that they knew Jesus, um, God had promised was going to come. And this king would come from King David's line and he would rescue Israel. He would be the saviour. And from prophecies like Isaiah 49, you can see that he would be the saviour, not just of the Jewish people who'd been in captivity for many, many years, had not ruled their own lands, there's the Assyrians, Babylonians, then the Persians, then Alexander the Great, and then the Romans. They hadn't owned their own lands. But actually, that the saviour who would come would be the saviour of all people. 700 or more than 700 years prior to Jesus' birth, Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 35. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Do you recognize those miracles in the Gospels? In fact, Jesus himself, in response to when John the Baptist's disciples came to ask him a question, John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus, but Jesus hadn't been the Messiah they were expecting. He hadn't come and fought a battle. So John was asking this question, are you the one? Who is going to come? Or should we be looking for somebody else? How does Jesus respond to this question? Well, in that very hour, in front of John the Baptist's disciples, Jesus healed many people of diseases, plagues, evil spirits, and people who were blind had their sight restored. And he tells them, the report is in Luke 7 if you want to read it, he says, go back to John the Baptist and say this, we have seen the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, 
Lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. And actually those disciples had the amazing privilege of visibly seeing that prophecy from Isaiah fulfilled. And Jesus actually showing them that he is the Messiah. The miracles of Jesus also show that Jesus is God. We're going to read from Mark 2. Um, It should come up behind me. I can't remember if I put all of it in, but I'll read it. Kids, this is the story we love, isn't it? It's the one with the roof. You know where they dig a big hole? Let's read that one. So Jesus comes into a town. Lots of people come. I don't know if you've ever been in that kind of culture where everybody squeezes in, his face is at the window, you can't even get in the room, there's so many people there. They'd all come to hear Jesus talk to them. But some men came bringing to him, bringing to Jesus a paralysed man, that's a man who can't walk, carried by four of them. Since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowds, they made an opening in the roof by digging through the roof and then they lowered the man who was lying on the mat to right in front of Jesus. And what does Jesus say to him? When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there being very grumpy and thinking to themselves, what does this fellow, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralysed man, your sins are forgiven, or get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. And the man got up his mat, he rolled it up and walked out in front of them all. This amazed everyone, and they all praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this before. God alone has the power to forgive sins and the authority to forgive sins. That is right, what the teachers of the law said. And Jesus also had the authority and power to forgive this man's sins, but also to heal his body. He was showing that he is God. Like Barney said, the greatest miracle that Jesus does today is salvation. Jesus rescues us from our wrongdoings, which we call sin, but he rescues us from them and also from the guilt of when we know that we've got things wrong. You know, the main sin is actually not acknowledging that God, our creator, is the Lord of all, and that he decides what is right and wrong. The greatest thing is we make ourselves God, and we say, I will decide what is right and wrong. Nobody can tell me how to live our life. The Bible says the cost of sin is death. And by death, it's talking about an eternal separation from the holy, perfect God. But Jesus, the perfect man, God himself, died on the cross for us. He died in our place. And the reason why Christians get so excited about Easter is because when Jesus rose again, he showed himself to be victorious over, to have authority over the power and the cost of sin, our wrongdoings. 
he has brought our freedom. I just want you to listen to some of the words that Jesus says. In John 6, verse 40, Jesus says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. John 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him, they won't die, they'll have eternal life. In John 10, 10, Jesus said this, I have come that they may have life and life in all of its fullness. If you don't know Jesus today, Jesus died for you. And I would love to speak to you after service and pray with you about knowing Jesus and giving your life to Jesus, choosing to say, actually, I believe that Jesus is God. I believe that he died for me and I'm going to make him the king of my life. It doesn't make your life easier. Sometimes it makes it more tricky because you have to live as Jesus, the king of your life, rather than um, you being the king of your life. But it is the best decision you will ever make. I'm actually going to pray a prayer now. If everyone just bows their heads. If you know that you need to get into a right place with God, do you want to pray this prayer in your um, head after me? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came to earth, that you lived the perfect life. Lord, I believe that you are my saviour, that you came and died for me. And I choose to live my life for you. Please forgive me for all the things I've done that are wrong. And from today, I choose to live my life to what you say is right and wrong, to please you rather than to please myself. And I pray this in your name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love to speak with you afterwards. Um, but for um, the rest of us, isn't it interesting here that Jesus, when he talks about himself, he describes himself as the son of man. He is a, it's a little reminder to us that Jesus, fully God, fully man, something we um, will spend all of our life trying to get our heads around. But I read this amazing quote, which I thought I'd read to you as well. It's from a chap called Chris Austin. Don't know anything about him, presumed by the name. It was a long time ago that he wrote it. He says this, I do not think of Christ as God alone or man alone, but both together. For I know he was hungry, and I know that with five loaves he fed 5,000. I know he was thirsty, and I know that he turned the water into wine. I know he was carried in a ship, and I know that he walked on the sea. I know that he died, and I know that he raised the dead. I know he was set before Pilate, and I know that he sits with the Father on his throne. I know that he was worshipped by angels, and I know that he was stoned by the Jews. And truly, some of these things I ascribe to the human, and others to the divine nature. For by, this, by reason of this, he is said to have been both God and man. The miracles of Jesus show that Jesus is God, because they show that Jesus is omnipotent. That's basically a really big word, which just means Jesus is all-powerful, which is a characteristic of God alone. In Matthew 8, we read how Jesus has power over nature when he calms the storm. In Luke 4, we read how Jesus has power over demons when he heals a demon-possessed man. In Matthew 26, we read how Jesus has power over the angels. When the disciples tried to fight for Jesus, when he was being arrested, he said, what are you doing? Put your swords away. I could call down a legion of angels to come and help me now. In Luke 4, we read how Jesus has power over disease when he heals all who were brought to him. 
And in Mark 5, we read how Jesus has power over death when he raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. Jesus is the all-powerful God who came to earth for us and demonstrated his power over everything while he was here on earth. Fourthly, the miracles of Jesus show us so beautifully and visibly the character of God. I don't know if you've read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. If you haven't, I'd really encourage you while we're doing this um, series on Jesus to read the Gospels. They show the kindness, grace, unconditional love, acceptance, compassion and the holiness of God and are shown so clearly and so beautifully. Actually, after reading Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, I would be amazed if you're not in love with Jesus because you can see how wonderful he is. Jesus healed all people. He showed no discrimination at all. He healed from the very poorest to the very richest, from the completely despised and rejected to the loved, from the completely insane to the utterly competent. He healed from the most respected to the very least. He healed from different nations, not just his own people group. Some of these stories you can read, you've got the centurion servant and Jairus' daughter. Both men would have been very wealthy and respected. But then in Matthew 9, you read about how Jesus heals the woman who'd been bleeding for many years and would have been totally rejected by her society and very, very poor. I want us to read Matthew 8, verses 1 to 3, the miracle that Sai talks about. Now, children, I don't know if you know what leprosy is, but it's a really horrible, infectious skin disease that makes parts of your body fall off in the end. Pretty gross. And it's really, really horrible um, disease. And in the past, right up until about 60, 70 years ago, even here in Europe, if people got leprosy, they had to go and live on their own in a colony. It's called a colony, like a group altogether. In Jesus' time, if you had leprosy, you had to go outside of the town you weren't allowed to touch anyone. No one was allowed to even touch, had to wear a bell. So when you walked along, people would know you were coming so they could move out of your way, which would be a really horrible way to live, wouldn't it? Well, let's read what Jesus did for this man who had leprosy. A man with leprosy came and he knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus, what did he do? Did he run away? No, Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. And he said, I am willing, be clean. And immediately the man was healed of leprosy. Just those short sentences show the kindness of Jesus, that he touched people that nobody else would go anywhere near. The story of Lazarus on the video, it's really amazing, isn't it? That Jesus cried. He would have known that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew he was going to do that. But still he cried when he saw how distressed Mary and Martha were. He wept with them, showing tenderness and empathy. Seeing their distress caused him to be distressed. And I just wanted to make a little note to people who you keep praying to be healed and you haven't, be, haven't been healed. Be assured, if you know Jesus, you are going to be healed. If not here on earth, then in heaven you are going to get a resurrection body and it will work perfectly for you. But whilst you wait and feel the distress and consequences of your illness, 
the Lord Jesus is crying with you. He's not separate from you saying, well, you're going to get a resurrection body. Get a grip. Come on, just get on with life. No, he is crying with you. He is comforting with you. He is walking with you on those days where it is so difficult to do everyday life. Jesus said, while he was here on earth in John 14, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works I do, and listen to this bit, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Just a reminder here that Jesus raised people from the dead. He saw the blind see. He made the deaf hear. And those who were trapped in darkness were freed. And even more amazingly than all of those things, Jesus changed people. We can maybe change people's behaviour with a lot of cognitive therapy, but we can't change people. And Jesus changes people. So Jesus' promise to us, his believers, is that we will do greater works than those. Can you imagine it? Greater works than those. So how did Jesus' disciples, who would have heard Jesus say this, how did they respond when Jesus went back to heaven? Did they say, don't be ridiculous, that's never going to happen. We're not God, you are. No, they did this. It says in Acts 5, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought those who were ill into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing those who were ill and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. The people who were with Jesus, who saw what Jesus did, who heard what he said, took Jesus at his words. The early church is our example of how we should be as believers, what church should look like. And actually, we need to be people who know that in Jesus' name, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we see people healed. It's amazing, isn't it? Church, I really feel we need to take Jesus at his words. I think in the West, we've got really lazy over healing and praying for people to be healed. We have an excellent healthcare system, which we rely on, which is great. But actually, we need to start praying again for people to be healed more. The world, particularly at this time, is desperate and searching for meaning, rescue, healing, not just of people's bodies, but of people's minds. In this country, the leading cause of death for 17 to 24-year-old males is suicide. It's absolutely terrible, isn't it? And we have the answer. Jesus can rescue people. He can show them that there is a purpose to them being here on the earth and bring them hope. We need to be bolder. We need to be braver. We need to be more willing to step out. And instead of focusing on what will happen if God doesn't heal someone, we need to be thinking what will happen when he does, because Jesus does heal people and set people free. So this morning, we are going to pray for people to be healed. Children, this is for you as well, so you need to listen. I, what I want us to do, because we're socially distanced, we're not allowed to touch you. 
or come right up to you or anything like that. We're just going to pray from the front. If you've got a condition that you would like to be prayed for and you'd like to be healed for, or there's someone in your family you would like to see healed, I'd like you to stand or put your arm in the air. Um, and we are going to pray for you. Everybody, We're all going to pray together. While I was just praying about um, this sermon, I read this book about stuff that's happening in Coleraine. And um, there is this beautiful story of self-harm scars being completely healed by Jesus. People come to know and love Jesus, and he had healed their very big um, self-harm scars, given them fresh skin. And I just felt, actually, that was something that Jesus wanted to do here as well. I've, I feel probably it's for either for someone who's here or someone in your family who's really badly scarred and they just need Jesus to give them new skin. Um, he wants to restore that to them. I also would really feel that God wants to heal some chronic diseases today as well. So if you need healing or um, you'd like to represent someone that needs healing, can I ask you to stand or to put your hand in the air if you're not feeling well enough to stand? And we're going to pray. Children, this is for you as well. You know that what Jesus says always comes about, don't you? We know that as children. We believe it a lot more easily than adults. Adults make it complicated. Children keep it simple, which is great. So can we just reach out a hand to people and we're going to pray together. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you promised us that we would do greater works than you did while you were here on the earth. And Lord Jesus, you raised people from the dead and you showed that you had authority over all illness, sickness, over nature, over everything, over death itself. And Lord, we pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you bring healing to people? Would you set people free from illness and disease? Lord, we pray you'd set people free from anxiety and depression. Lord God, we pray that self-harm scars would disappear in the name of Jesus, that you would replace those scars with new skin to show what you've done in people's hearts visibly on the outside of their body. Lord God, we pray, Lord Jesus, would we be like the early church? Would we be people who see the miraculous, that people bring the sick to us and ask us to pray for them? Lord God, we command illness in the name of Jesus to leave and for people to know good health, to know the fullness of life. Lord, you are so gracious and kind to us, and we just pray right now that you would work in miraculous power.